This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. I'm Katherine Klein. I'm delighted to be speaking at Knowledge of Wharton today with Yostine Solheim, CEO of Ben & Jerry's, the iconic, delicious ice cream company. And we're really here to talk about not only your ice cream, we must talk a little about your ice cream, but really the social mission of the company uh, and how you have maintained that social mission even as Ben & Jerry's has become part of Unilever uh, and has continued for many years. Well, yeah, no, great to be here. Thank you for coming. I, uh, you know, I think it's like all companies with a long history. Ben and Jerry's is now thirty-six years as a mission-led company. I think the the key thing in the whole transition to one shareholder from multiple shareholders was the governance structure that was put in place. And I think Unilever was very visionary in recognizing that. You know, it says Ben and Jerry on the packaging. Yes. If Ben and Jerry go out and say, "Well, this is all," you know, it's not really true anymore, and this is not a mission-led company anymore, that would really undermine the value of that acquisition. So Unilever acquired uh, Ben & Jerry's in 2000. 2000. And uh, this was a company that where the brand, where the social mission was part of, was baked into the brand. Uh, it's an integral part of how we do business. And, and Unilever saw that and its investors saw this from the beginning and yes. saw value and, and even at that time saw value in this. So that's why they set up and together with the then sitting board agreed to set up an independent board of directors uh, that act basically like our benefit uh, corporation director. They are uh, responsible for the social mission, for the integrity of the Ben & Jerry's brand, our policies. They even get involved in basic things like wage setting in the factories where we have a livable wage policy. Uh, that is overseen by, by the Board of, of, Governor, of Directors. And, and the directors are self-selecting. So Unilever has two seats of 11 board members. Fascinating. And so, so unusual. Very. And, and you had a career in ice cream at Unilever yes. before coming on five years ago as CEO of Ben & Jerry's. How, how was that transition to go from the larger entity of Unilever to this interesting, different, yeah. uh, mission-driven company? Yeah, I don't know whether that transition was tougher for them or for me. Uh, but no, I, I, you know, Unilever as a company is very aligned in its values. It actually has a lot of diversity in it in terms of management styles, personalities. It has a history of quite a lot of autonomy mm -hmm. in, its, uh, in its senior leaders. So it wasn't like a, a super stark contrast. You know, I worked in Italy. I worked in Sweden. The culture of Ben & Jerry's is actually similar right. to uh, to typical Scandinavian companies, a flat, non-hierarchical sort of uh, approach to business. So, uh, no, so the biggest thing for me was I felt a, a big sense of responsibility. Sure. Uh, and uh, uh, But with a really exciting group of people uh, to work with. And so Ben & Jerry have, have stayed involved in some... In, yeah, in, you know, they're, they're not... They are involved, uh, but they do more of their own things. They have the best jobs in the world. Their job is to be Ben and to be Jerry, and they basically just have to deliver on that. Uh, so day-to-day -day is really the management team and the board of directors. Interesting. So Ben & Jerry's describes itself as a, as a values-driven company. Um, you celebrate the, your social environmental governance uh, values on the website. Can you talk with us about how that plays out in action? You know, how, how do we move from words to, to deeds and actions? 
Well, I think that's the key point. A lot of companies would say they're consumer-led. Yes. You know, whether that's in product development or in admission. Similarly, when companies like that come to the world of CSR or whatever, they look at what do people really care about and then how can we be part of that. At Bill & Jerry's, we come at it the other way. We actually start with what do we truly believe in? Mm. Us. And then we execute really well because we truly believe in it and hence convince others to join us. So that's what we really mean by values, that it starts with our values and then we apply it and join movements and other partners to right. make change. So talk to us about some of those specific values and, and how they are enacted through your products, through your employment practices and well, we, we can take one, yeah. Take one with just one. Yep. Uh, let's take same-sex marriage. Yeah. Uh, so that came uh, on the agenda in the 80s uh, at Ben & Jerry's. Ben & Jerry's was one of the first companies to offer same-sex partners the same rights, yeah. health care, etc. So when that started to come into uh, the public, domain and, and become a, a debate, it's very clear for the company, we can't just say, well, it, you're okay if you're at Ben & Jerry's, but if you're not, you're not. Mm -hmm. So it was very natural for the employees to join in and campaign for same-sex marriage. And then as we grew bigger and bigger, we scaled that campaign up, whereby now we have, you know, we, we finished in the U.S. with a Supreme right. Court uh, decision this year, but we also won in Ireland. We put it on the map in Australia, in France. Uh, in multiple countries where this comes up, uh, it's something that we believe in. We don't do an assessment if this is popular or unpopular. When we started a same-sex uh, marriage uh, campaign in Australia, not a single political party supported same-sex marriage. And everybody came to us and said, what are you doing? You, you shouldn't do this. Well, sorry, this is something we really believe in. Right. And as you do that, so you've had employee, uh, individual employees engaged in these campaigns. Yes. Um, ben & Jerry's as a company, as a major uh, donor or leading a campaign? Yeah, no, I mean, we run this, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's the amazing thing is that selling ice cream and uh, running campaigns is the same set of skills. You want to get people's attention, you need social media, uh, you need events. And, and the one great thing that we have, of course, is ice cream. Right. It's very hard to be angry and eat ice cream at the same time. It's very tempting to stop and, and sign a petition if there's free ice cream. So ice cream plays a really important role That's in how great. we connect with our fans. But no, we, 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 uh, we treat those campaigns in exactly the same way as we would treat a new product launch. Right. And sometimes they actually appear on, the, on, your, on your products, right? I, yeah. I, I saw this, but I, I, I do, I do, or I do, I do. I do, I do was the celebration of, uh, of the Same-Sex Marriage Act. Right now, we've just launched a product, uh, Save Our Swirled. Mm. Where, which is in support of a binding climate uh, uh, agreement in Paris, the COP, in five weeks' time. And we launched that with uh, Tesla out yeah. on the West Coast. And then we actually launched the European version in Bonn during the climate negotiations inside the climate negotiations at the UN. Yeah. So we had the opportunity to, to feed all those people trying to work this out for us. Right, and, and, and you actually use ice cream as a, as a metaphor for global correct, warming, right? Correct. right? We so, show what ice cream looks like if it's just two degrees warmer. And yeah. it's a bit of a mess. It's a bit of a mess, yeah. It was a, <laughs> it's a fabulous, a fabulous metaphor. Like, this is what happens to your ice cream cones in two degrees. What happens to the world if exactly. it's warmer in two degrees? Um, are there instances where you, uh, as a CEO, you as a company, have said, yeah, we care about that issue. We can't go there. That works, that's, too, that's too hot. That's too controversial. 
There are many issues where we've had to say we can't go there, not necessarily because they're too hot or too controversial, more because we don't judge our that we have a real ability to make an impact mm-hmm. or that we are really prepared. You know, we really believe we've got to walk the talk, not just talk. Mm-hmm. So we want to really align our internal programs with the external campaigning. So there are issues that come up that are important and legitimate issues, and we still we haven't, you know, built an internal program and we'll start that and then join in. Uh, but controversy is not something that, that scares us. Maybe it should, but it doesn't. You know, we, we were the only corporation to support Occupy Wall Street uh, at Saccone Park, uh, which was a surprise to them yeah. uh, as well. And, uh, you know, and, uh, as I say, nothing bad really happened to our business <laughs> as a result of that. Yeah, so what, so what are the... as um you know, we like to uh, hope in the social impact space that that one that companies can actually achieve a, a positive financial return and a social return uh, on investment and on their on social impact strategies. What's your sense of uh, you know how this pays off or doesn't pay off for for Ben and Jerry's? Is there is there I mean, it sounds terribly crass, but is there money to be made through corporate social responsibility through this kind of values driven company? There is. There is because people want to make a difference with all the things that they can, actions and activities that they can can do. So what you buy and how you buy it is a big part of your everyday life. And increasingly, uh, consumers are saying, I don't want to waste my money on on products that don't try to make a difference. Now, there's a lot of greenwash out there. And I would, uh, you know, so people are are rightly so skeptical and Mm -hmm. demand, you know, real evidence and, 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 and some other uh, authorities and just what a company say. But uh, it's the fastest growing area of fast-moving consumer goods by far. Uh, socially responsible companies are making up 60% of the growth in fast-moving consumer goods in developed markets. And if you look at like a Nielsen statistic that just came out now, which was across 14 countries, what you're seeing is the rate of change is really picking up. Uh, in 2013, 50% of respondents said that they would pay more mm-hmm. for a socially responsible product. Today, that's already at 66% and accelerating. And obviously, a big driver of that is uh, our wonderful millennials. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and do you see this as something that any company can do? I mean, I, there Ben & Jerry's could be criticized on some, you know, is this a healthy product? I'm thinking of other products that we may look at and say, that's not a, that's not a healthy product. That's not a product that's good for the environment. And yet, can any company um, find ways to, Absolutely. to to live this mission? Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, not every company uh, will become, a, a, you know, an activist company. Mm-hmm or a campaigning company uh, like Ben & Jerry's. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that's, that's appropriate for every company. But every company can make uh, those decisions that optimize their social impact and their business impact in any industry, mm-hmm. anywhere, that benefits their employees, their communities, the environment, uh, uh, whichever constituents that they, they address. So. I don't think this is something unique to specific companies. Uh, on the on the healthy or non-healthy products and good products and bad products, again, you know, for us it's all about transparency. Mm-hmm. And I always say, you know, it, it, when you're tucking into a Ben and & Jerry's and you're on a diet, you, you know 
you know, there's no hidden calories here. They're right there, right for you to enjoy. And the world needs all sorts of different things uh, to function. So now I think transparency is critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, in any offer, people should really understand what they're getting into, and we shouldn't try to fool people. We shouldn't have hidden sugars and hidden fats, etc. Right. It's got to be transparent and open, and open choices. Uh, and and it goes the same for all other industries. So again, I think it's very hard to say, "Oh, I'm in this business and this product, hence I can't get a social impact right. uh, strategy." Right. Interesting. Um, and. As you think about the social impact that, that Ben and Jerry's has had in the places where you've tried to make a, a difference, um, and I, I'm particularly interested in your own operations, whether this is your supply chain, uh, your HR practices, um, can you talk to us about something that you're particularly proud of, some, perhaps something relatively recent, and then areas where you say, we haven't cracked this nut, we still have work to do in this area? I think. Actually, it could, it could be the same example, mm, actually, okay, great. In, in a sense. You know, when, when we, uh, we, we did a sort of an assessment around what are the really big and important issues and what are the really urgent issues uh, that are important to us. I mean, we did a lot of internal discussion, and it was very clear to us that there were two big, big topics that we need to address over the next five to ten years. Mm-hmm. And that's climate and climate justice. Right. And it's urgent. And that's equity as we're seeing equity, both racial and income, uh, the inequities that we're seeing is creating such a tension in society, it's hard even to operate businesses, neither in that environment of climate change and the environment of inequity. So we've really embraced these two topics. And what I'm the most proud of is just to see how our teams, our partners, really embrace it and scale it and, and really throw themselves into making a difference. That's probably what makes me the most proud. Right. Uh, what we haven't cracked is how do you reduce your carbon footprint by 80%? True. When you, you know, there's a lot of, again, noise out there, we're going to be carbon neutral or this or that. Well, the carbon footprint of a business goes end to end. It starts on a farm and finishes with a, you know, the waste product. Sure. And you need to take responsibility for the whole thing, and we need to reduce that by 80%. 50% of our carbon footprint is in ingredients. Wow. So, so it originates on a farm. And, and we really believe that uh, carbon neutrality is a real opportunity for farmers to generate another income stream in carbon insetting. So it's one of those things. We haven't cracked it right. because we're not there. But yeah. what we did was we put a price on carbon. So we said we put just arbitrarily $10 end-to-end hmm. end per ton. Yeah. And then we allocate that money to a carbon insetting program where we inherently are investing in farmers to inset carbon on their farms. Fascinating. And, and on the, the inequity inequality front, uh, maybe two questions. Um, making clear, so what, what is the, I mean, it, sometimes intuitively we can see this, but what is the connection you're seeing between business success and inequality? What is that negative relationship you're seeing? Uh, and, and how might you take action in this space? So, you know, that's typically the first question you get when you're getting involved in, in structural racism uh, and, and other of these really deep-rooted social issues. Hey, what's in it for a business? If you actually look at the correlation of success, of economic success and inequality, mm. uh, it's highly correlated. So, so we have an inherent value and belief that a society where everybody's treated justly 
and equally, it's just a better community to be in. Uh, but actually, if you look at the econometrics of it, it maps out very nicely as well in terms of economic uh, opportunity and success. So it's not a direct correlation. It comes from our human values. It comes from the values we have in our company. Uh, but we also really see those communities thriving and doing better and being better for our business. So that's a, that's a sort of a link. Now, a climate justice is about climate change, but it's also about the fact that it's the poor people, right. the disadvantaged people, that get hurt first. The wealthy can move the, you know, and can shift around. The poor cannot. So that has an equity component in it. But as we're moving now into the next phase, for us... You know, we have to recognize that we're a terribly white company. Mm. You know, we, we come from Vermont. Vermont's 96% sure. white. So we've had to do a lot of work in our company to really, really, really understand it. And we've partnered with a whole host of different amazing partners. We've had a lot of NGOs and activists has, have, have taken their time and invested in us. Right. Uh, to to make it, get a better understanding of this, and and I think 2016 will be exciting. It's a, it's an election year. It's a great opportunity, as I like to see, to say to rearrange the lighting to get a disproportionate impact on certain key issues like voter rights and and, and minority participation in our democracy. Great. Fabulous talking with you and, uh, you know, just an extraordinary impact through ice cream and starting with ice cream. So thank you much for, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Jess. Great. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.